Have you ever encountered a medical professional working as a medical reporter and thought, I could do that? Many of you probably have, but it's not as easy as it looks. What are the biggest challenges of becoming a medical journalist? And what lifestyle changes come with medical reporting? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Maria Simbra, medical reporter for KDKA-TV, the CBS network station in Pittsburgh. A member of the KDKA news team since 2002, Dr. Simbra is also a practicing board-certified neurologist. Welcome, Dr. Simbra. Thanks, Mark. We are discussing the process of becoming a medical journalist. Dr. Simbra, for those of us who really are not in a newsroom every day, take us through the process of developing a story. Yeah, it's a very high-paced, high-pressure kind of day, so you have to be able to work in that kind of environment. I get in in the morning, and the first thing I do is look at various sources for news. So I'll look at the newspaper, I'll look at several websites that carry health news, just to see what everybody's talking about. I might pick two or three of the stories, and the way I have to look at the stories is what is the station going to want to promote? What can they run commercials on that say, hey, come watch our newscast at such and such a time because Dr. Maria is going to talk about such and so. I will pitch those stories to the producers, and they might pick one. They might not like anything that I've brought to the table, and they might have an idea of their own, and that will be my assignment for the day. So then I have to call different hospitals, different doctors to try to line up an interview. And quite frankly, it's often the first person who says yes, just because of the tight deadline we're under. So I'll start shooting probably around 11.30. I go out with my photographer to our location to interview a doctor and possibly a patient. That always makes it compelling to have the patient's story in there. I will get back to the station by 3 at the latest because I have to log the tape, which means I type out what the person has said, keep track of all the video that we have, and put together the story. I have to write it. It has to go to an editor, who is the person who pushes buttons to make the words and, and the pictures come together. And then it goes on air in the 4, 5, or 6 o'clock newscast. If I'm understanding this correctly, you mean you get there in the morning, it starts there, and it's completed by the end of the day? Absolutely. You have to work under that kind of pressure. Why is it done so expeditiously? Well, it's the whole psychology of news. It has to be new. It has to be current. If it's something that happened yesterday or last week, it's not really news. Well, what if you, with no disrespect, aren't terribly familiar about the medical issue and you don't have time to read up on it before you interview the physician or the patient? How can you do a thorough job? Well, you know, you do the best you can with the resources you have, and that includes information and time. If it's something I'm not terribly familiar with, I will do a quick lit search, maybe look at PubMed to see what else has been published on the topic, maybe review some e-medicine things on the web on the topic. But keep in mind, these pieces are very simple. Our audience is not other doctors. We don't use a lot of technical stuff, very simple language. And really, the subject is just the topic of the day. It's not a comprehensive review of every piece of research that's been done on that subject over the years, but just what that particular study says or what the particular topic is. Now, do you get a different response from the people you're interviewing because you're a physician? 
When I go into the interview, I never tell my subject that I am a doctor. Why? Because I don't want them to talk to me in doctorese. And, and it's so easy to talk to another doctor that way because we get it, but our viewers don't get it. And that's ultimately who is watching this, is our viewers, and they have to be able to understand what the doctor is saying. So I generally don't bring that up. If it comes up later, you know, I don't deny it, but, um, you know, I go in with them hopefully just thinking I'm another reporter. Now, I've been doing this long enough that most of them know I'm a doctor. But when I make that initial entrance, I don't announce it. Are there any topics that you like to cover uh, more than others? It's not so much what I like to cover, because <laughs> it's often what's presented to me by uh, events of the day and whatnot. I will tell you, I do my best work, I think, when it's breaking news. Why is that? I think because it forces you to edit on the spot. My writing is the most succinct. It is the most clear whenever it's a situation that's breaking. Because you don't have the luxury of time to think, well, maybe I need to include this detail. or uh, You have to just make it very clear and concise at that moment. Do you ever have days when there's no breaking news medically? Most days are well, well, not then, breaking. Well, how do you find your subject? Well, when I say breaking. I mean something that is a big story that's happening right now. For instance, 2006 was a huge news year for me. We had the Sago mine explosion in West Virginia. We had Randy McCloy, who was the miner who survived the carbon monoxide right. exposure. So that was a huge story that we had to follow. And I was actually following Randy's medical progress and the whole saga. He was first treated at West Virginia University hospitals and then brought up to Pittsburgh, actually, for hyperbaric treatments. And so I was following him through that whole ordeal for a couple of weeks at first and then intermittently as he eventually improved and got discharged from the hospital. Later that year, Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers quarterback, they had mm -hmm. won the Super Bowl that year. He wrecked and on his accident. motorcycle right. without a helmet. Big right. medical story. Right. So I had to follow that one. And then later that year, the mayor of Pittsburgh, Bob O'Connor, was diagnosed with a rare primary central nervous system lymphoma. So that became a big story. He got sick the day of the All-Star Game. Pittsburgh was hosting the All-Star Game. It was to be his shining moment. He went into the hospital with a headache and was diagnosed with lymphoma, and he never made it out. So he had a six-week illness, and he just continued to deteriorate, and there were complications after complications. And it became my job to explain that to the public. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Maria Simbra, medical reporter for KDKA-TV, the CBS network station in Pittsburgh, and a practicing board-certified neurologist. We are discussing the process of becoming a medical journalist. Dr. Simbra, are there ever any conflicts in your reporting when, let's say, you have to be somewhat negative on a colleague or a hospital? Well, you know, I have the luxury of working in a newsroom where we have a lot of specialty reporters, and I would say that's pretty atypical. Now, what is a specialty reporter? For example, I am a specialty reporter covering medical news. We have a consumer reporter. We have a political reporter. We have some investigative reporters. As I mentioned, in most newsrooms, you just have an army of general assignment reporters who cover any and all of those topics on any given day. So it's kind of nice that I pretty much cover topics that relate to health and wellness and medical advancements and that sort of thing. If it's something negative or if it comes to a case where, you know, there's a doctor who's doing something suspicious or a hospital that's doing something unsavory, that might fall to our investigative team. That's probably something that I'm not going to be covering. 
health policy, which, you know, medical journalists are often criticized for not covering that enough. But in my newsroom, that might fall to our political editor or insurance issues that might fall to our consumer editor, for instance. Has your lifestyle changed being now primarily uh, in television on medical reporting than neurology? I think you have to be ready to adjust what you're doing at a moment's notice. For example, when the mayor of Pittsburgh fell ill with central nervous system lymphoma, we were working around the clock. Those stories don't happen very often, but you have to be ready for that. A tough question. Uh, what do your medical colleagues think about this transition uh, to medical reporting? Well, I get a variety of responses. I mean, I think a lot of people think it's kind of cool that this is what I've decided to do with my life. Some are envious. Some think it's not that noble of a thing for me to be doing. Some people are glad that I'm doing it so that they don't have to. (laughs) It's all across the board. You know, there's been a lot of articles in the past five years in the medical journals about physicians in various specialties who have decided to change and go out of the medical field, as you have, and they've been, for the most part, very rewarding. Did you have any mentors that guided you through this process, or was it just you yourself? I didn't have any direct mentors, because like I mentioned, there are very few of us, and there certainly wouldn't be very many in any given market, per se. At, at the time, I was the only one doing this, though there, there had been another one just prior to me at the NBC station. Pretty much my mentors had been other TV docs that I saw over the years. I remember when I was in medical school, I watched Dr. Dean Adell, and I thought, boy, I'd really love to do something like that someday. Indirectly, though I've never met him, I guess he's been one of my mentors because I, I really admired what he did. Now, clearly, you have been most successful and are very well known in the United States and in your field. What would have happened spending all that time in school for your journalism master degree and and certainly spending a lot of time at the TV station uh, developing yourself? What would have happened if you would have been unsuccessful and in that regard, perhaps your medical practice was compromised? Well, the way I look at it, if you don't do something, you haven't done anything to pursue your dream. I mean, that that was a theme that I saw throughout my career change research that I did at the time. I was having my ultimate crisis about, you know, absolutely having to change careers. If you say that you can't stand it, but don't do anything, you are standing it. So you have to go and try. And if it doesn't work, at least you tried. And maybe it'll teach you something about your next endeavor that you might do a little differently. What are some of the biggest differences between medical reporting in your role and when you were in practice as a neurologist? Well, I think the level of communication is different, Mark. You know, in the office, you're just talking one-on-one, and all that patient wants to know is how does this affect me? But when I address a topic in the mass media, I really have to think about the evidence base for it. You know, what does it mean to large groups of people? So it's a different level of communication whenever you're talking about it in a large, large-scale term. Have you ever made any uh, big mistakes on the air? Oh, we all do. <laughs> it comes with the territory. Tell us about oh, one of God. them. There's one that some of my friends will never let me live down. Please. It, it, was, it was during the week the mayor was dying, and it was crazy, and of course, you know, no one's well-rested, and I was supposed to go out to the hospital that morning, but it turned out 
something happened that they held me back at the studio. So I was just going to go live in the noon, but from the studio and not from the hospital. But I'd already written my script and placed it in teleprompter, essentially. So I got up on the set, and I was reading my teleprompter, and I got down to the tag, and I said, at Shadyside Hospital, I'm Dr. And I realized, I'm not at Shadyside Hospital. I'm in the studios. <laughs> I mean, I'm live in the newsroom. I'm Dr. Maria Simber, KDKA TV News. Some of my friends saw that, and they still tease me about it to this day. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Maria Simbra. We've been discussing the process of becoming a medical journalist. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Thomas Schwartz with SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and you are listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD.com.